0: Matthew Collar here as always and joining me CBS sports draft analyst returning to the show Chris Trapasso no Chris it is not draft season yet but we have a lot to discuss from Josh Dobbs and his raw skills that I was very impressed by to Jordan Addison to even we can I think get into it this week the 2024 quarterback Mm. draft class so what is up man how have you uh, been enjoying your season?
1: It's been great. I can't believe that we're already getting into week 10. Uh, It's kind of crazy. It's just kind of flown by. I think the parody in the league has been a lot of fun. Uh, The AFC being really loaded and really the NFC for the Vikings being wide open where um, I'm not going to get into the specifics, but during that Falcons game, when Jaron Hall goes down, you weren't exactly too, let's say, enthusiastic about the the remaining Viking schedule and their chances to be a good team. Now, suddenly they've crawled back from a really bad start. You have Josh Dobbs. You've seen some signs from Jaron Hall and the NFC is wide open. So it's been a really fun season and it's great to be back on the Purple Insider.
0: I do not want to reveal what my DMs and texts look like <laughs> when Josh Dobbs fumbled. Like he took the safety mm. and you're like, okay, mm-hmm. well, that's understandable. And then he fumbles. You're like, I'm getting a lot of people they should have Yikes. tanked. And you know, what are they doing? Why didn't they trade to Neil Hunter and everything else? And a couple hours later, we feel completely differently about the season, which is one of the things I love so much about football, Chris, is that how you feel about an entire team, their franchise, their timeline can shift in a single half of football. It yeah. can also change how you feel about a football player and with josh Dobbs, this is where i want to start with you so i went back and looked at the film and where i was really impressed and had no idea when they got him uh, because his the amount of starting was just very limited and only limited to playing in arizona was the velocity that he put on the football how clean he looked in the pocket at times with his drop back, with his hitches, with his even accuracy, throwing the ball farther down the field than most backup quarterbacks can. And of course the athleticism at times looked like, Lamar Jackson or some of the better running quarterbacks not making that comparison. But when you look at his fourth and eight run, it's shaking a tackler that is a defensive end. And then in space, one on one with a DB and juking them out and making a play. And also with his size, he was hard to bring down. For the Atlanta Falcons to the point where they started respecting him at points in the game where linebackers are coming off their receivers if he's rolling out to try to stop him from running. As you, I'm sure, analyzed Josh Dobbs when he was coming out in the draft a few years back and then have seen him kind of develop as a backup quarterback. What does he have as a skill set and does it translate to being an NFL
1: starter? Well, first, what I would say, and I'll just kind of get this out of the way that in terms of the mental skill set that I'm not seeing on film necessarily like his we know about all of his off the field his academics that he truly is just a smart human being because he's been able to be traded to two teams right before a start and ultimately played well and in, in Arizona early on and then obviously this really famous relief appearance that ended in a last second touchdown we know that he can grasp a playbook. Concepts from a a completely unfamiliar scheme right away, and I think that is why we've seen him be someone that can play in multiple schemes, cities with personnel with different personnel so early in his career. Now, from a skill set perspective, he's done two things very importantly at Tennessee. Dobbs was kind of a dual threat guy, so the running that we saw in the SEC and that long career at Tennessee that has been sustained as he's been a now veteran in the NFL. He's not lost a step. He's not unwilling. He's not just trying to be a pocket passer. And I thought coming out, he had to continue to lean on his legs. If he was going to even be a serviceable backup in the NFL. And secondly, I think his arm strength has gotten better. What you said that you were surprised at the velocity just on the underneath throws that, you know, those slants that need to be kind of thrown with a lot of mustard on them were, and then down the field, as well, I didn't necessarily see that at Tennessee. And it's not to say that uh, a quarterback can never improve his arm strength going from college to the NFL, but it is pretty rare. So, whether that was just Dobbs using his brain again and saying, Hey, look, like I realize that I need to get a stronger arm, I, I need to work on the power that I can throw the football with once I'm a professional, he's done that. And that was the one thing that I was concerned about him or with him when he was entering the NFL, that the arm strength seemed to be about average at best. And I agree watching him in Arizona this season, and then certainly against the Falcons in Atlanta with the Vikings this past Sunday, really surprised at at some of the miles per hour that I think he was generating while again, understanding where to go with the football in an offense that he really didn't know.
0: Well, I mean, seeing that he is uh, an aerospace engineer, he probably <laughs> understands the mechanics mm. of what would yes. cause a football to go faster. Yes. I mean, I, I'm like only half kidding about that. I mean, honestly, he seems like a guy that has progressed and progressed and might end up being one of those arguments for quarterbacks developing in certain places and mm-hmm. then, you know, having a chance later on. And and it's something that we see occasionally in the NFL where a player is a backup and then they work their way into a starter but there were a couple of different throws that really stuck out to me there was one that tristan jackson could not pull in but it was exactly what you're describing it was like a slant and you had to fit it into a bit of a tight window and he throws a rocket, uh, right toward uh, you know Jackson. I, th- I mean, if it's Justin Jefferson, it's an easy touchdown. If it's Jordan mm-hmm. Addison, it's a touchdown. Yep. Uh, but Tristan Jackson, alligator armed it a little bit, but that's like a plus plus throw for somebody who was facing a blitz where a guy was coming free and he's letting it go. And these are starter things, and I think that you can be concerned about the ball security. He did turn the ball over too much in Arizona, and then a, a couple of turnovers here. I'm willing to forgive some of it, but you know, i on, on both the turnovers, there's a little bit of like trying to do too much uh, or maybe even the safety where he should just throw the ball away. And then, you know, the, the second interception was kind of weird. Somebody just hit his hand, but the first interception was definitely tra- or a fumble mm-hmm. was definitely trying yes. to do a little bit too much. So I, I think that as Dobbs kind of becomes more comfortable with his circumstances, this is what I'll really be watching for because I feel like he has the raw tools to take them into the playoffs and to win on a semi or relatively weekly basis and be an interesting discussion as we go forward of like, is this guy the quarterback or what's going on here? However, if he does throw picks and fumble and take safeties, uh, that's, that's going to hold him back. It's kind of like the Ryan Fitzpatrick thing a little bit where it's like, you can only have so many of those types of uh, miscues.
1: Yeah, what I think it will be a really fun, I don't know if you want to call it thought experiment or case study, that last year's uh, pre-draft process and what has kind of been a prevailing thought entering what will be next year's pre-draft process, 2024, is that, man, you plug in one of these top quarterback prospects into this Viking situation and you could really – Catch fire right away. I think with Josh Dobbs, that you know what the baseline is going to be, that he's usually going to make pretty good decisions. Occasionally, there'll be a misfire or a time where he should have thrown the ball away, like you mentioned, or he doesn't quite step up far enough into the pocket, takes a sack, maybe fumbles. But in general, he's going to play pretty fundamentally sound football. How good can this team be with an awesome offensive line? And then if Justin Jefferson returns, or when he returns, now you've been able to see Jordan Addison develop in his injury absence. You still have TJ Hawkinson, who's playing like, to me, kind of like an underrated elite tight end, which I certainly think he is at this point. And the defense hasn't been amazing, but it's certainly been good enough, especially kind of in a watered down NFC. We'll be able to really see the true powers of the environment that this Vikings regime has created around a quarterback that if you got this type of play from Josh Dobbs say next year from a first round rookie, you would be happy with it. So I think to me kind of being an outsider, but getting to know a lot about the Vikings the last couple of years because of you um, I'm going to be most, like looking forward to that, that this seems to be like one of the best backup spot starters in the NFL, maybe kind of that Jacoby preset 2.0, where if the situation is good, you can win a lot of football games. He's not going to lose you a lot of football games. And occasionally he will make those tight window throws on slants or pick up a fourth and eight with his legs. Um, can that be enough to get to double digit wins and get into the playoffs?
0: I really like that as a thought experiment of, uh, or, well, I guess it's a real experiment that's going to take place, but of seeing not only just how the environment with the rest of the roster takes place, but also the coaching as well, Mm -hmm. Uh, because as we have talked about the potential to draft a quarterback over the last number of months, and even going into last draft, we talked about like, would they take will Levis they decided not to, but one of the things we kept coming back to is Kevin O'Connell's your coach. And When Kirk Cousins is your quarterback, that's a veteran who's done so many things in his career that a lot of people have coached successfully. Kevin O'Connell's not the first person to have Kirk cousins, putting up big numbers and winning games and things like that. So you can say like, well, he is kind of still Kirk cousins, but now we get a, a a control, I guess, if you're talking about scientific experiments to compare it to how did Kirk perform? How did Josh Dobbs perform? A few people have brought up that they scored 30 points for the first time this season uh, where, where I'm so interested too is balancing also Josh Dobbs's running ability well, because it just when you've only watched Kirk Cousins for a long time and you see a guy go full Barry Sanders on another dude in the middle of space while well, he's motored, like, okay, I'm reminded now that this makes a pretty big difference. And that's where I want to see there's like levels of Dobbs, there's like, okay, is he just going to be a backup that maybe could be a bridge quarterback if they needed him to? Is he going to be someone that we actually talk about as being their quarterback going forward if they can't draft one high enough? Or is this just going to be a one-week type of, hey, it was super fun, remember the Josh Dobbs game, but then they lost eight in a row or whatever. like, And I don't know which way it's going to go. I kind of lean toward at very least we, we could be talking about a bridge quarterback who proved that they can elevate someone who was known as a backup to playing at starter level?
1: Yeah. And two things there specifically, what I think is really interesting is that Kevin O'Connell being from the Kyle Shanahan tree, and I've done this with mock drafts with the 49ers, um, not so much with the Bengals because of Joe Burrow, um, but any of these coaches. Sean McVay, not so much, obviously, post-Matthew Stafford trade. I've always been pushing for and we've talked about it with the Vikings. What does the very established, time-tested Kyle Shanahan scheme, and certainly Kevin O'Connell puts his own spin on it. Every guy's different. What does it look like? We know that it creates quarterback efficiency, that you're going to get high completion percentage. The yards per attempt is going to be over seven, probably eight. If you can get eight yards per attempt from Nick Mullins, then you can get it from anyone. Brock Purdy, for as good as he's been, I think a lot of it is the scheme and the situation there in San Francisco. What does it look like with a running threat at the quarterback position? We never got to see it with Trey Lance in San Francisco. And not that Josh Dobbs has the athleticism, the explosiveness of a Trey Lance, but he certainly can run the football. There is a designed run game element to his game. He did it a little bit in Arizona. uh, and, And like we've mentioned that, fourth and eight conversion was was not a designed run but I think it adds a new wrinkle and I'm interested to see what Kevin O'Connell will do with that and say oh hey this is like the last 10 pages of our playbook that we never really opened and now we can secondly to your point about the bridge quarterback thing what I'm interested in and that we you and I at the combine we talked we're like what does this Vikings regime want to do do they are they like let's tank let's draft a quarterback and maybe we're going to go through growing pains in 2023, be done with Kirk cousins. We kind of came to the conclusion. And I think it's very clear now that like what you said, if Josh Dobbs becomes a bridge quarterback to some fans, you'll say, hey, well, what's that going to do to you? You're going to win nine or 10 games, losing the first round of the playoffs, whatever the case may be, not reach or win a super bowl. Clearly this regime does not want to go full tank. And for as much as it's easy for you and me or the analytics to say, you should tank, just be really bad, get a lot of picks, trade away all your good players. I We've also, you and I have talked about for as easy as as it is for us to say that, that these guys have these jobs, these guys and girls have these jobs that they don't want to suddenly say, hey, look, on my resume as a GM, I'm eight and 32. And yeah, next year will be good. They want to win games. They want to get to the playoffs. The Wilfs, you've mentioned how much they love uh, the GM and the head coach and that they believe in them, they want to see wins and maybe even just getting to the playoffs. That's good enough. If you go back to back playoffs to start your career as a GM and a head coach, signs are are pretty good and things are looking up. So I think even if he is just a serviceable bridge quarterback who we eventually realize has his limitations and can't beat, you know, the Eagles in the playoffs or whatever, Team that may ultimately be that is the true juggernaut in the in the NFC that's still completely fine it would be a great return on investment for a mid-season trade
0: something really hit me last week watching Josh Dobbs win that game which is you cannot tank with this coach it's no, very much can't. like 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 Pittsburgh um, where you just can't, I mean, he's going to coach them up and Brian Flores is a major part of this as well. Uh, but when you have this current coaching staff, it, it's you're just not going to be bad enough to lose that many games. And then we talk about the other talent as well with, with, Jordan Addison, who we will get to in just a second, but, you know, Jefferson and Derisaw and Brian O'Neill and so forth, you've just got too many good players and too many good coaches to say they're just going to lose a bunch of games that even when they are put in the most adverse situations, they can still find a way to be a competitive team. To me, that speaks to the future really, really well. Would I trade places with the Houston Texans? Yes, I would. I would (laughs) say yes, I would, but that's not, that's not the world we're living in. And we're going to talk about how that relates to 2024 in the draft class, because I think that even if Dobbs becomes a Geno Smith type of, Hey, really cool story. The guy was a backup and then becomes a starter, which we saw a number of times when we were growing up with like your, your Trent Dilfer types or your Matt Hasselbeck types, who he kind of reminds me of a little bit, you know? Yeah. Yeah. The backup type quarterback who develops and becomes a starter. uh, And then that player can win, but normally you need like an all universe type of team around them for that to happen, which maybe if you give the Vikings 30 more million dollars next year uh, in cap space, maybe they can. Um, Mm -hmm. So, but yeah, I think that, what we're probably looking at is someone who's getting them through the season. And then they want to keep for next year, regardless of what they do at quarterback. But I wanted to talk about Jordan Addison because he cannot be left out of this story. Josh Dobbs is the guy for sure, but the throw and the insane catch that he made by the sideline, the thing that stood out to me from day one of training camp is if it's in Jordan Addison's area code, this dude is bringing it in. The, you talk about, like in, dra- in draft season, you always discuss hand catchers versus body catchers and guys who could snatch the football out of Catch the air. radius. Jordan, right. Jordan Addison does this super stupid well, and he has done it all season long. And when Justin Jefferson's been out, it's been amazing to see him emerge as a star wide receiver, not just the guy we're saying, Hey, not a bust, but a star wide receiver. He probably can't be Rookie of the Year because C.J. Stroud is destroying the NFL. But he's right there in that conversation, I think. Why, why do you think it has worked from what you saw as him as a prospect, from what is translated over to the Minnesota Vikings?
1: All right, so I'll start super specifically and then work my way backward to more broad. With Jordan Addison, I, I think myself and probably just in general in the draft, there's like a blind spot in, in terms of these – Smaller, skinny, really diminutive wide receivers who, for some reason, maybe because they're so small, don't test very well and they have a lot of production. But then you're like, oh man, 510, 180, and some of these guys, 170. Tank Dell is another one. I could list off a bunch who, because in today's NFL, separation is more important than anything else. And then those little intricacies, like being 511, but having the catch radius of a six foot two receiver um, ultimately become serviceable players. Jordan Addison, Tank Dell, um, Christian Kirk is one of them. Who's never been a superstar, but he was, didn't test very well. He was too small. He was only a slot receiver at Texas A&M, um, played in Arizona was decent and has been good with the Jaguars. Calvin Ridley is another one who maybe his is, is never going to be an all pro wide receiver, but similarly size and was compared a lot to Jordan Addison, It's even by me during the pre-draft process. Um, A lot of those receivers who I guess just apparently is, if even if you're tiny, if you run good routes, you're not just a gadget guy. You can win on the inside or the outside and then do those possession or outside wide receiver things like make ridiculous catches at the sideline and absorb a hit on a throw that's two feet over your head. You're not only a route runner. And you can create after the catch, like all of those wide receivers that I just listed can, you can be 5'10", 185 pounds, and not test very well, have a low RAS, um, and look at that mock draftable web and say, oh man, he ran like close to four or five. his vertical wasn't good, the three cone wasn't great, uh, broad jump wasn't good, and still be a really good player. Now, a little bit more broadly, what I think has been so interesting is that... When I was watching this Vikings team, and again, I've kind of like taken a liking to the Vikings because of this podcast and like you having me on here and just trying to stay up with them to kind of prepare myself for draft season. Early on, it seemed like even as the clear number two, Jordan Addison had some problems early on beating press coverage. And that was me kind of saying, aha, see, that's, you know, he's not very long. He's not super physical. He doesn't have the weight and the force behind him. But then since Jordan Addison has been out and he has seen more man-to-man coverage or more number one corners, whether it's just been he's, it took him four or five games to get acclimated to how good, even like some average NFL cornerbacks are in press coverage. I think he's gotten better at getting off the line and those first five yards creating that separation, or at least not getting suffocated at the line. So then he can set up his route the way he wants to. There was two catches against the Green Bay Packers, one on Jair Jair Alexander near the sideline. Alexander slipped, and you could say, oh, you know, Packers fans would say, okay, he slipped, what can you do? I think he slipped because Jordan Addison's cut was so sharp toward the sideline, and Jair Alexander, if you go back and look at his combine, freaky athletic, never to me ever had any problems in man, in press coverage against any receiver in college or the NFL. And then another one on the other side of the field, I believe it was on Rasul Douglas where it's like he cut to the outside, sold a vertical route and then slammed on the brakes and then cut back toward the sideline. It was like the best out route that I've seen run by any receiver this season was an easy completion for then Kirk cousins doing those little things very well. And the one area of weakness that I think was, kind of indicative of him being smaller, he's gotten better at that as he's kind of had to assume this wide receiver one role. So that is certainly encouraging for Jordan Addison. And again, this Vikings offense, because what do you do then when Jordan Addison or when Justin Jefferson comes back from his hamstring injury Two elite separators who again are good at that, but they do everything well after the catch and they catch everything in their vicinity.
0: Folks, I hope you've enjoyed listening to us talk about prize picks this year, but if you've missed it, here's how it works. You go to prizepicks.com and it is simple. You pick either more or less between two and six player stat projections. And that's it. Now you're playing. So if it's X number of yards for a quarterback, you just decide, are they going to throw for more or less than that number of yards? But it works with lots of different options, receiving yards, touchdowns, even field goals, all sorts of sports as well. prizepickscom purple. Go there, use the code purple for the first deposit match up to $100. One of the reasons I like Price picks, it is very simple to use. You would see how we do it on the show real quick and easy. And then we talk about our picks and also not expensive either. You can turn $10 into 250 by nailing just a couple of picks. So go to prizepicks.com slash purple, the code purple, daily fantasy sports made easy. I mean, that's the thing about Jordan Addison is when he's coming out, the only concern they had is really the height and weight. And I think if he weighed twenty more pounds, he's a top ten draft pick based yes. on I yes. mean, the guy won the Blalitnikoff award. It wasn't like he at like he was nineteen years old. Of, Right. Right. And then, you know, he goes to USC and Hey, look, Caleb Williams looked a lot better when he had Jordan Addison playing for him as well. And I mean, the biggest games he would step up at the biggest times all the time. I mean, for me, he was my favorite wide receiver in the class. I think we remember those discussions about uh, Addison because I, I, I use two things and those two things seem to work. One is ball tracking because there's so many college receivers who have great physical skill, but when the ball's in the air, eh, you know, usually they're catching it wide open. If you have great physical skills, you just run by corners, catch the ball wide open. You go, Oh, that guy's great. Uh, But he would make a lot of contested catches, a lot of like body contortion catches and what he did against San Francisco. There's a play against Virginia when he's playing for Pitt. Where he does the same thing. He steals the ball right out of somebody's hand and like that natural ability. Uh, and then the route running. I mean, just, the route running has been spectacular. And I think what really speaks well of him is the adjustment, exactly what you're talking about. The first couple of weeks are going like, okay, like he caught a couple of deep bombs and so forth, but he's, is he going to be consistent? And against, it really was Kansas City where Jefferson gets hurt. And there's a few routes that I remember pulling the all 22 clips and, and putting them in an article, just being like, he's getting off the line of scrimmage. He's roasting guys who are good. He started to do it in that game. Yeah. Yes, exactly. Exactly. And so now Jefferson will likely come back and we should have news on that at some point fairly soon. Uh, But, This has been so good for him. Like Jefferson's injury is is bad, even though they won their games, but it's not great not to have Justin Jefferson. They've overcome that. But now the trust of the offense, the trust of Kevin O'Connell, the belief that okay, it's not just the Justin Jefferson and Friends. This is a wide receiver duo from here on out. And to me, it changes potentially franchise trajectory because we're talking about what you can do at the quarterback position. If it's Jefferson and then a bunch of guys, I don't know. Like, that's hard. We've seen that the limitations of having just one really good wide receiver. We see it with the Raiders uh, presently when you got two, it is a different universe, I think, Chris.
1: Yeah, and I would go back to my neck of the woods with the Bills. I think part of the reason why the Bills have been pretty inconsistent offensively, you have an all-world wide receiver in Stephon Diggs. And it's like Buffalo is still trying to find its identity because they're like, who's the number two receiver? It's not really Gabe Davis. He's more just a downfield guy. Khalil Shakir's made some plays, but not consistent enough. When you have Jamar Chase and T. Higgins, when you have Brandon Ayuk and Debo Samuel and George Kittle, when you have Tyree Kill and Travis Kelsey or Tyree Kill and Jalen Waddle, if you, I mean, that's four of the five best, you know, offenses in the NFL. When you have AJ Brown and Devonte Smith, so yes, I totally agree. That is, it is can change the trajectory. What you ask of a rookie quarterback that you don't need them to make eight big time throws in a game in their first month of the season, you can just say, get the ball to these guys. You're going to see open targets uh, very often with Jefferson and Jordan Addison Um, certainly helps out that you can then sign a veteran wide receiver for not a lot of money to be your wide receiver three, who is a good player, like a Robert Woods type guy that can just step in and be kind of a mentor. It doesn't have to be a, a hundred target player next season. So Addison's development, and maybe we'll look back and say, man, Justin Jefferson getting hurt like you mentioned was actually a blessing in disguise because it really sped along the development for Jordan Addison because suddenly it was like hey look we picked you in the first round uh, just like Matthew Collar suggested that we do and you have to face Jair Alexander one-on-one and and need of the Chiefs he's good physical long athletic been there done that cornerbacks and it I think maybe just The uh, more attention to detail and the more focus that Jordan Jefferson needed because he was that number one has really helped him. And again, Josh Dobbs, Jaron Hall, Kirk Cousins, whoever's been throwing him the football and just this offense as a whole moving forward. Let's
0: go back and talk about the decision for a second before we get to the quarterback class and kind of the bigger picture. Uh, You mentioned how right I was, and I appreciate that. Uh, We will not discuss any other times that I was not right, which was campaigning for the Vikings to take Jamison Williams, who has not so far uh, become a star for the Detroit lions. Maybe he will, if he's on the field, Uh, we'll see what, what, what becomes of that. But in this draft, I remember going through the mocks and a very high percentage of the mocks had the Vikings taking defensive players because they looked at where they ranked in defense 28th and they looked at, OK, you've got Daniel Hunter. And then who, as far as pass rushers go, and they had picked up Marcus Davenport on a one year contract that was never going to be a long term thing or was not likely to be a long term thing unless it really worked out. And uh, you know, okay, you need corners, you need nickel, you need safety, you need well, no, uh, yeah, but even you could have argued like Lewis seen is it wasn't working oh, yeah. out, and we didn't yeah, know yeah. we didn't know Cam Bynum was gonna take this big of a step. So like you you kind of need everything on this very bad defense. And when they took a receiver, that's when I thought, like, okay, I think I think Quasey may have figured this thing out over the last year because that position, if you have a guy who's a wide receiver too, and he's a very good one, he's worth $20 million a year. Like that's, they are getting $20 million worth of production for Jordan Addison out of not that much. And that player can shape an offense. Whereas I think a defensive player, very important to have great defensive players, no doubt about it, but it's more of a group thing. And that's what we've seen from Brian Flores' defense this year is it's, It's the scheme. It's how you maximize everybody's skill. And one guy cannot just completely shape a defense in the same way that a receiver can. And that decision to not go defense and to instead give Kevin O'Connell another weapon is one of the major reasons that this team is where they are right now, and one of the major reasons we feel about them in the future. But let's let's relitigate that. Like, let's go go back over that discussion, and again, talk about how great of an opinion I had. No, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. I have so many things wrong with the draft, like everybody else. But but but, t- take me through like that decision and what you thought of it at the time, and what you thought going into
1: that draft pick. Well, I will pat myself on the back and you on the back because forever, I think even going back to two years ago, we were like, when in doubt, pick a wide receiver. I like in the first round, I I remember you saying uh, that you thought that wide receiver has become the second most valuable position in the NFL. I agree with that. I, I do think you also like there needs to be another layer in it in that, there are so many receivers available who are really good and like offensive tackles that are really good are not as easy to come by. So that might make, I mean, if you're really looking at like what is the second most valuable position, is it offensive tackle receiver, edge rusher? I think it's easier to find good wide receivers today, but we hammered home the point all draft season. And yes, in that final uh, mock draft sim that we did, I went Nolan Smith, you went Jordan Addison, but I kind of didn't, picked or like I kind of leaned away from wide receiver and because I think Jordan Addison was like the main guy who was available in that sim because of like I mentioned this clear blind spot that I will adjust for these smaller speedy you know poor testers who are just super productive in college by the way Deontay Johnson of the Steelers is another one tested horribly coming out of Toledo and he gets open all day in Pittsburgh doesn't have great quarterback play but he's another one that popped into my head um that you said, hey, look, this is going to move the needle more than anything else. And to your last point, I think is perfect. The hiring of Brian Flores and that he is, I mean, you've seen all the charts. I'm sure some of your fans have too. The how much they're blitzing is like almost off the screen compared to other teams that I think the hiring of Brian Flores maybe helped the, or probably helped the Vikings lean away from a, defensive end or a nickel or a corner to say look this is what we have we're gonna blitz a lot it's more about our scheme and maximizing the players that are already in this scheme um, than let's just wait on a wide receiver let's get the wide receiver and like that you said that Kwesi seemingly has understood what makes a team really go in today's NFL and I just referenced all of those top offenses I I even go back to that Sunday night football Bills Bengals game Jamar Chase didn't really do much in that game. T Higgins had nine catches for 120 something yards, picked up a lot of first downs, had a lot of great catches outside of his frame near the sideline. You need that number two today. Definitely. And a lot of teams, the best teams have three really good options. So I think from a philosophical and draft standpoint, the Vikings understood, look, we have the defensive coach that we want that is going to maximize our talent with a ton of blitzes. Denell Hunter is still there. Let's get someone that for this year, and then for the long term future, just again is more valuable. If you're looking at getting Jordan Addison on a cheap rookie deal, like you mentioned, him just in a vacuum, his production is twenty million dollars a year worth. Just going to move the needle and be better for the franchise as opposed to another edge rusher. And and I I think going back to last year's Super Bowl, to not just use recency bias or just a one game sample. In last year's Super Bowl, yeah, like Nick Bolton returned to fumble for a touchdown. That was a big play. Beyond that, the Eagles and the Chiefs just went up and down the field the entire game. And to me, that's kind of like an inflection point of like where the NFL is today. That, yes, you can load up on defensive linemen and corners if you're the Packers in the first round or you know, up front if you're the Eagles on defense. You need the offensive line, which the Vikings certainly have, and a multitude of of very skilled, multi-dimensional pass catchers. And I think the Vikings, that's what they were after with Jordan Addison. And It seems like they got that player.
0: And I think the approach, there's a lot of logical approach to this most recent draft, including taking someone like Makai Blackman, who had great, great numbers in college Again, like maybe a little undersized and so forth. We saw that a lot in this draft, but taking mid-round corners and even a Caleb Evans, I think has worked out quite well. His PFF grades are not great, I think in part because the way they play defense, they play mm-hmm a lot of people at the line of scrimmage and a lot of people 10 yards off the line of scrimmage which ha- does allow for a lot of catches in front of them and yes. those get dinged and stuff you know like that but he's been an exceptional tackler and i think a very competent player blackman has been in and out a little bit we've seen more of andrew booth junior like throwing mid-round numbers at the the corner game but knowing that you know you probably have to get a ride receiver when you can in the first round because of just the skill set difference. I also think with edge rusher, we've seen a lot of those guys who are taken late first really not work out. I think because they probably have a flaw. That everyone knows the value of that position, but they probably have a, a fatal flaw. Smith was undersized, uh, and he might still become good at some point. But even like an Ad- Adafio way, like the, the not not having the sack. Joe Tryon's another like one. That. Exactly. And and so what we see is teams that have great pass rushes from the edges, usually draft miles Garrett, or they're <laughs> like, Hey, Hassan Reddick. Hey, Randy Gregory. Hey, like you're not working out with your team, but why don't you come be a rotational guy yeah. for us? And I think for the Vikings, it's like, you're going to have to stick. You pro- probably have to extend Daniel Hunter at this point. And then try to look for outside options Davenport when he was in looked really good, but like things like that uh, for the future. But I want to shift over from the Jordan Addison pick, which truly in my mind has changed the trajectory of the franchise because of what you could potentially do at quarterback and what that means to have this setup. And also I just, I did want to note as well, you brought up TJ Hawkinson, his last four weeks or so after a pretty rough start to the season have been absolutely elite at the tight end position. And that's why they, that's why they signed him. It was a huge, huge deal. uh, What he's done to make up for the absence of Justin Jefferson. And and that plays into this as well. So does Derisaw. So does O'Neal heck Ed Ingram is playing much better football. It's closer to average than horrendous, which is a big (laughs) deal. That's a big difference. The difference, this is just a side rant, but the difference between being XFL level bad to like below average is probably almost as valuable as average to really good. I mean, it because can the you can line. yeah. Yeah. Cause you can't, you cannot play with a guy the way he was playing last year, but of course he's, he's improved that anyway, one of the best, if not the best quarterback setups, but if the Vikings win too much with Josh Dobbs, can they draft one of these first round quarterbacks, Chris?
1: Yeah. I, I mean, I think so. And, and, they will certainly do their due diligence on this. What seems to be a very loaded quarterback class because of all the COVID implications and some players like Michael Penix and Bo Nix decided to return. You obviously have Caleb Williams and Drake may at the top. It seems to be. And I think it's, it's late enough in the season for me to not be that cliche and say, Oh, next year is really good. Like it really has the makings of being a 2018 level draft class that had five quarterbacks in the first round. Now six would be pushing it. I, I don't know if we've ever seen six. I, I got to look that up. Um, but because you have Josh Dobbs, you're probably, I mean, I, I think done with Kirk cousins or, and even if they weren't at his age, it would just be like, even if you love Kirk cousins at this point, it would probably be smart to just look for the future, given how old he is at this point. And he's going to be coming off a major injury, um yes that there's certainly a lot of very talented different flavor quarterbacks that I think we will be and also and I just wrote about that uh, or about this uh kind of philosophy this week at CBS that I think from Kirk Cousins landing in Minnesota and actually playing pretty well around the same time of when Ryan Tannehill went from Miami to Tennessee and revitalized his career then there was this huge push of you should sign a veteran. You should trade for Carson Wentz. You can find these guys. It's It was the craze. And I remember there was like a famous Adam Schefter tweet. It ultimately didn't happen. I think two or three years ago, he's like as many as 18 teams could be signing a, a veteran quarterback to really be in a true quarterback competition. It was like the craze in the NFL. It's a copycat league. And the Kirk Cousins and the Ryan Tannehill um, acquisitions were so successful that teams were like, hey, look, we don't know what's going to happen in the draft. We've tried this for 100 years and we can't figure it out. Let's just get the proven commodities like you mentioned with edge rushers. And that's kind of gone by the wayside now that Carson Wentz has bounced around the league. There's so many like Baker Mayfield, Sam Darnold, quarterbacks that just ultimately have not worked out. So I think teams are not as excited about signing a journeyman and hoping they can revitalize his career and get to an AFC title game or get to a you know second round of the playoffs. So because of that and couple that with just how good this quarterback class is, that there's multiple guys, three, four, five, six guys that came into the season with a lot of hype and did the opposite of what normally happens, that you normally see a Matt Barkley or a Ryan Nassib just not really play that well in their final seasons or live up to the hype. I mean, Caleb Williams hasn't played great of late, but his numbers are still good. He's still making those wild throws. Drake May has been good. Michael Penix has been awesome. Bo Nix has been awesome. Jaden Daniels has been really good. So because of that, I think, yes, the Vikings will be one of the teams that will and should look deep into that quarterback class. I think it'll be the talk of the 2024 draft.
0: This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. Folks, if you're struggling with the holiday blues and you're having some trouble getting excited in the same way that other people in your life do about holiday get togethers and all of that just sounds stressful to you, then maybe it might be helpful to add something new in your life to help deal with those feelings. That's where therapy could be a bright spot for you. It can help give you the tools to manage stress and help you feel more grounded. If this sounds like something you'd be interested in, check out BetterHelp. It's entirely online, convenient, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched up with a licensed therapist, and you can switch therapists at any time for no additional charge. Find your bright spot this season with BetterHelp. Go to betterhelp.com insider to get 10% off your first month today. That's betterhelp.com slash insider. Folks, I cannot believe how many sports are going on right now, and guess what? There's a way to go to all of them with affordable tickets. My friends, you are going to want to check out Game Time. It is the fast and easy way to buy tickets to any sports event that you want to attend and much, much more. One of the cool parts about Game Time is that they have flash deals on last-minute tickets and a low price guarantee, which means if you find something lower in the section or row, they will credit you 100 Hundred and ten percent. You also get images of your seat locations, which I love because those maps can be a little confusing. Buy tickets in seconds and have them arrive right there on your phone. It's great. Download the Game Time app. Create an account. Use the code Insider for twenty dollars off your first purchase. Terms apply. Again, create an account. Redeem code Insider for twenty dollars off your first purchase. Download Game Time today. Last minute tickets. Lowest price. Guaranteed. It's funny that you mention about the like, teams trying to chase trends because we certainly saw that with like a trade Lance of, wow, you know, Mahomes and Josh Allen, we got to yeah. get this raw skilled guy, except for he was a little too on the raw side. Mm-hmm. I will forgive uh, San Francisco. That was the toughest year to scout players, probably in NFL history. Yeah. Um, uh, Well, you know, since we have modern technology, but you know the covet thing and trey lance not playing for a year and all that stuff that was pretty hard but I think a major part of it was we're trying to chase a trend. And as you mentioned that, that absolutely happened with Matthew Stafford going to uh, the Rams, which is probably in part why Denver wants to trade for Russell Wilson. And they think Mm -hmm. that's going to work. And it, it, nothing ever has a high hit rate because there's only ever at any time, like 12 good quarterbacks in football and the rest are just trying to either survive or are terrible. And so it's like, you're never going to get it perfect, but, if you've ever heard the saying 90% of life is just showing up. Well, 90% of quarterback success, if not a hundred is just giving it a try. And I think <laughs> with the Vikings, they have so much foundationally that's good already. They have superstar players that are good already that you can take a shot at a quarterback that maybe is not perfect, but we're always going to find something wrong with everybody, no matter who it is. Lamar Jackson can't throw Joe. Joe Burrow. He was criticized. Doesn't have strong enough arm. Uh, you know, to can he, uh, you know, whatever has a strong enough arm. Is he big enough or whatever? Justin Herbert, like there's always going to be some reason not to draft a guy. But if you yeah. let that get in your way, you're never going to draft the guy who ends up working out. And I'll tell you who I've been more sold on Uh, a couple of just a couple of quick questions on these guys before we wrap up. I do you think Shadur Sanders is coming out because I've been very much sold on Shadur Sanders, actually even more so since his offensive line got hurt and he's like toughed it out. I think that he has tried as hard as anyone could. His accuracy is great. His toughness is great. I'm really interested but, you know, who's sold me more? And I and I don't want to be a victim of, like, this guy just has a great team. But Bo Nix is making some actual throws. This guy has really developed from what I saw at Auburn, where I thought, who cares? And, uh, I mean, Penix just does it every week. Um, what, do we, what do we think about those guys that have the potential to be more toward the middle of the first round uh, and might not necessarily be in sure. that same Caleb Williams, Drake, May
1: area? Yeah, more probably in where the Vikings will ultimately select. Yeah, uh, that's a good question. I love Sanders too, and I think it's funny is that he was truly like in the national spotlight early on when when Colorado, that's all everyone wanted to talk about and and put on TV. Haven't seen it as much, but I still think he's played really good football. The one thing I will say, and I don't want to be a Debbie Downer, I, I would be surprised if he enters this class. I mean, his dad, Dion, is pretty outspoken, and he has been very overt in saying, why would he leave? Like, we love it here. Like I, I think he gets it too, that like, it's a loaded quarterback class and that he's like, my son is, is not going to ever be number two in anything. And I think he clearly would be like it at, at the very best, like the third or fourth quarterback off the board. I don't know if he would love that. Although you would have to think like it would probably be better to land with the Vikings say than like the Arizona Cardinals at number one or, or the bears, whatever. Um, as Bo Nix goes, I, I've seen him make more throws this season. I, I still want to see more though. I, I think the offense in Oregon is very, uh, it's run-based. The offensive line is very good. He doesn't have like, you know, a Marvin Harrison Jr. Or a bunch of future first and second round picks at receiver. But I think a lot of it is screen-based, quick throws, RPOs. But then again, that's kind of the nature of today's NFL. And Michael Penix, I think in terms of value, Michael Penix and again none of these like opinions are set in stone we have a lot of college football to play we have a lot of NFL to play I just kind of like I slightly disagree on Bo Nicks, but his athleticism is very intriguing because he has that franchise caliber athleticism that you want Michael Penix I think might be the best value in that his ding I will tell you this for sure is going to be that he doesn't really move a lot at Indiana he did run around a lot and he looked kind of exciting because of his because of his athleticism. Haven't really seen as much of that at Washington, but he's countered that with making a ton of ridiculous downfield throws like every single week. And it's like, is it maybe just so much of a vertical element where he's just chucking long balls and he's not going to get to do that as much in the NFL? And then if he can't move, is, is, is he kind of limited? But I still think having that ability to make those throws where you have to rein in a player, a quarterback is way better. Then the other way around to say, hey, stop checking it down. Hit hit Justin Jefferson down the field. He's open. Don't just check it down to the back. I would rather have my uh, quarterback be Michael Penix-esque than vice versa. So those three, good value. I don't know if Sanders will be there. We're going to see Bo Nix in some huge games down the stretch. He has the ability. I think right now he is a first-rounder. He has the ability to be that. We always talk about it. One guy who goes a lot higher than anyone expects. Um, him and J.J. McCarthy of Michigan, who I do think will enter this draft. Um, He's made a lot of big throws, but similar, great offensive line. They want to run the ball, isn't a high-volume thrower, but when he throws it, you see the first-round caliber talent. And then Michael Penix, again, limited mobility, but I think the best value in the first round, and maybe even someone that could be available in round two. I think Josh Dobbs might talk us into
0: wanting someone who can run all the time. I think uh, what I mean with Bo Nix is that I had sort of dismissed him as a legitimate prospect. And he, yeah, he's convinced me more uh, that he potentially could be McCarthy uh, McCarthy knows all the other team signals.
1: So I don't know, like in the (laughs) NFL, I'm not
0: sure, you know that. Uh, Yeah. That's
1: there's no signs on the NFL, like the huge poster boards of like Miley (laughs) Cyrus and Taylor Swift. And, uh, a Viking helmet and whatever. So yeah, that that will be a little bit of a transition for him for sure.
0: None of them, yeah, none of them are going to be perfect prospects that we talk about are the next Andrew Luck. So then you have to figure out what's going to be the best fit uh, for you.
1: Okay, so before, oh, go ahead, go ahead. One final point in watching that game against the Falcons to see that Jaron Hall actually started the game pretty well with that first drive, looked pretty impressive, um, and then Josh Jobs come in. We've talked about him how good he was, how impressive he was early on. It kind of in my head made me think that Kevin O'Connell just might be this next in line from the Kyle Shanahan tree where he manufactures good quarterback play. We always hear about, Oh, he needs to be in a quarterback friendly system. Well, what quarterback would you not want to be in a, what an unfriendly to quarterback system. So it's almost like I'm not going to say right now, because it's still early in terms of the draft in April, but, Yes, we'll be able to poke a few holes in all of the quarterback prospects, but I'm leaning toward that Kevin O'Connell, just like you mentioned, this team is not going to be able to tank with him as the head coach, and I don't think we're going to see the Vikings, regardless of if it's Josh Dobbs, if it's Jaron Hall, if it's a rookie next season, play bad football and play inefficient football at the quarterback spot. The scheme, Kevin O'Connell being a quarterback, there were some of those shots in game where, Josh Dobbs was coming off the field and he was like, show he was like literally like showing him what to do, like in terms of his mechanics. I think that is super valuable. So and it's something that I think Vikings fans should be very encouraged about, that you have a head coach that seemingly can accentuate all the strengths of whatever type of quarterback at whatever age he has on his roster.
0: I completely agree, and as we get into eventually draft season, uh, you will be a huge part of that as always, which is going to be awesome, and we'll probably be talking a lot about which quarterbacks fit with Kevin O'Connell and everything else, or maybe by then they'll have uh, extended Kirk, I don't know, I guess we are <laughs> a long way from finding all of these things out. But uh, I am super glad that you were able to join the show again, and uh, we will uh, be doing it very much in the future. CBSSports.com, at Chris Trapasso on Twitter. You post a lot of your great work on there. You're always coming up with uh, very creative ways to look at the draft, upcoming players, the NFL in general. So you know, as always, I'm a a huge, huge fan of yours, Chris. So everyone, if you don't follow his work already, make sure you go do that. And uh, one last prediction i'll ask for you what slot do the vikings draft next
1: year what pick will they have how about we go so i'm saying this right now pre-week 10 how about um slot 22 is that where they picked addison or is he 23 uh i think it
0: was 23 uh 23. or like so that. i think 21? i think yeah. make
1: the playoffs and maybe just not have enough firepower again offensively at the quarterback spot to beat a team, they'll be obviously the lower seed as a wild card, have to go on the road, do a two or a three seed. Um, But again, given that Kirk Cousins gets injured midway through the season, Justin Jefferson's out for a long stretch, the Wilfs, you Vikings fans would be like, hey, that was a pretty successful season for this Vikings team that even we thought six months ago might be a team that's picking in the top 10, and this is kind of a tank year.
0: It's a, it's such a longer discussion and I had already done all the wrap, the show up stuff, but I'll just make a quick point about okay. that. Uh, like, yes, tanking in a lot of cases does work. It does. But if you're not in a position to tank with your roster, the goal is to win. And when the yes. Vikings were and three, I was saying like, we're going to need to see the competitive part too, because that's what you promised. And that's Mm -hmm. what your goal was. It was not to throw the season. So um, it's a, it's a, always a delicate uh, discussion. Anyway, we'll. Thanks everybody for watching slash listening and we'll see what comes next football.